Good evening. It's good to see all of you. This evening we're going to be taking a look at the mystery of marriage. And as we take a look at the mystery of marriage, I think it's important for us to, to, to first um, kind of set the stage. And I, and I want to make sure that we have a right understanding and a, and a right uh, frame of reference as we talk about marriage. Our world has gone through a lot of changes. We, we've seen a lot changed in the way that we define marriage, the way that our uh, world recognizes and, and uh, defines marriage has, has been uh, redefined as far as the world is concerned. It's not redefined as far as, far as God is concerned, but it's been uh, redefined as far as the world is concerned. And, and I think what I'd like for us to do is to understand that from a biblical perspective, we need to go back to the beginning and understand what that foundational picture of marriage looks like. And as we talk about pictures of marriage, we just went through the process of having some uh, church directory photos taken. And as we have church directory photos taken, I'm sure that many of you, when you sat in the uh, room and they were doing the review of the pictures and you see those pictures, you're like, what in the world is that? What was I doing <laughs> at that moment in time when they caught my kids, one looking this way, the other one with their eyes closed, and the other one had one eye kind of, you know, wonky on purpose, okay? So we need to understand that as we talk about marriage tonight and the mystery of marriage is that marriage is actually a picture of the relationship of Christ with the church. That is the original Okay, just as when you take a directory photo, we are the originals. The picture is merely a representation or a picture of us. It's a, it's a parallel, if you will, as we look at those pictures. It, it should reflect us, and we hope for the best when we take those photos that they really accurately reflect us. And maybe for some of us, we hope that they reflect us in a better way. That's why they offer retouch, right? And they remove the little spare hairs on your head and whatever else you may have going on. Uh, but when we look at Scripture... That's, that's what we're looking at when we look at scriptures. We're looking at the original. What was the original? What, what was it supposed to look like? Not what does it currently look like? So as we begin talking about that tonight, I, I think it's important for us to, to see three things. As, as we look back into Genesis, we need to see the first that um, marriage is designed by God. It is defined by God and that it's a blessing from God. And as we look at marriage in that light, we'll move on through into the New Testament and we'll begin to, to draw those parallels and connect them to the relationship with Christ in the church. So we'll actually start this evening uh, by looking back into Genesis and we'll look at our call to worship scripture, which is from Genesis chapter 2. And the verses there are going to be 18 through 24. Then the Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper corresponding to him. The Lord God formed out of the ground every wild animal and every bird of the sky and brought each to the man to see what he would call it. And whatever the man called the living creature, that was its name. The man gave names to all the livestock, the birds of the sky, and every wild animal. But for the man, no helper was found corresponding to him. So the Lord caused a great deep sleep to come over the man. And he slept. God took one of the ribs and closed the flesh at that place. And the Lord God made the rib that he had taken from the man into a woman and brought her to the man. And the man said, This one at last is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. This one will be called woman, for she was taken from man. This is why a man leaves his father and mother and bonds with his wife, and they become one flesh. 
So as we look at this, we, we see that in creation there was not one suitable or one corresponding to man. And God creates woman out of man. So there's the one fleshness that we see where woman was actually taken from man and created specifically as a matched set for man. We often hear this scripture read at weddings, and I believe that that's rightly so. It shows us that God's design in the beginning was for a man and a woman to be united in one flesh, to leave their, their parents, and, and to live in, in that marriage covenant, that marriage relationship. And when God created Adam and, and Eve, it says that they became one flesh. And this one fleshness is, is, is part of the mystery that we will discuss. But, but certainly we believe and we understand from God's word that when a man and woman are united in marriage, they become one flesh through the covenant that they have, not only together, but because that covenant is bound, designed, defined by God. Man did not invent the concept of love. Man did not invent the concept of a committed relationship. Adam and Eve weren't left to kind of figure out how they wanted to have a relationship together. God designed this for them. And the relationship between them was exactly part of God's original design for man. As it says, he created him a suitable helper, one matched for him. We'll look over to Genesis chapter 1. Flip back just a couple pages, or maybe one page, depending on how small your print is. And we'll look at Genesis 1, 26 or 28, and we'll, we'll see the definition or marriage being defined by God. Then God said, let us make man in our image and after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. And so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Regardless of what you see on the news, regardless of what you hear some new scientist trying to tell you or what medical professionals tell you or, or, or what you might see uh, smattered about on uh, the Internet, men and women were created men and women. Our gender roles were designed and defined by God. Marriage designed and defined by God, specifically to mate those two together in his creation exactly as he planned from the beginning. What we see going on today in our world as we have rebellion against God is that we have sought to redefine this. And that redefinition, that rebellion against God is, is the result of our sin and the sinfulness of, of man, the sinfulness of, of mankind, the desire to have what we want more than what God wants the desire to have our own sinful way. God, when he instituted mankind, when he created mankind to define mankind, he created his man and woman. And within that marriage, he gave us some specific roles, husband and father, wife and mother, and the children, brothers and sisters. So all of that, again, designed by God, defined by God. And then if we look in Genesis 1.28, we begin to see that it's a blessing from God. The scripture says that, And God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of heaven and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And later in Psalms, Psalm 127, 3-5, it says, Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb, a reward. Like arrows in the hands of the warrior are children of one's youth. And blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. 
He shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies in the gate. So God blessed Adam by giving him the suitable helper Eve. He blessed them by letting them have that covenant relationship between the husband and wife. He blessed them through giving them children, instructing them to be fruitful and multiply. And as God designed, defined, blessed this marriage, all of that was done ultimately as a picture for his relationship that would come with the church. When we think about how the family is constructed today, most of the time, we still, I would imagine here, have a fairly traditional understanding. If we were having this sermon and the sermon was being preached just maybe 10 to 15 years ago, we would probably have a very different discussion and we wouldn't even have to go through the foundations of God's word, what God uh, designed marriage to look like. We wouldn't have to have that discussion, but because of the sinfulness in our world, it's important for us to have that foundation understand what God intended, understand what God's word says as we begin to talk about how this picture represents God's relationship with the church. The, the, the difficulty that we have and the, the challenge that we have if we have a faulty understanding of what God's word says or what God really intended at the beginning is that that picture that we have become, begins to be very distorted. And things don't look the way that they should. And the reason they don't look the way that they should is because we're not comparing it to the original. We're comparing it to a distorted image that man has set up. And then it becomes whatever you want it to be. I don't know if you guys have ever seen those Rorschach ink blot photo things that you look at. And you're like, what is that? Well, it could be a bird. It could be a butterfly. It's really anything you want it to be. It just depends on what you see in it. That's not what we have here. We have the truth from God's word telling us exactly how things are supposed to be and how things were set up. But what we are seeing is in the world is a direct effect of sin in the hearts of men. So if we need to run through that a little bit, just when we get to Genesis 3, trouble starts. We have the fall and things begin to go downhill. Introduce sibling rivalry in Adam and Eve's house. Cain kills his brother Abel. Corruption on the earth continues to the point that God would flood the earth and he uses Noah's family to basically do a reboot on mankind. Abraham later gets to star in the first season of Sister Wives as he takes Sarah and Hagar uh, to be his wives. And we have lots of trouble there, right? Fast forward a little further, we see lust, adultery, murder, incest, divorce, all of these things coming, not because people are looking back to the original intent, looking back to the original, but because they're inserting what their own sinful desires are. And therefore, the relationship is completely distorted, and we begin to understand why man has a problem understanding what the covenant relationship is supposed to look like between God and the church, or God and his people, is because they've distorted the entire picture that he gave them. As, a, as an image. Moving forward into the, the minor prophets, which we, we know because we've, we've, we've actually been all the way through them now, Hosea is basically a whole book where God further gives uh, an analogy or a picture of how far the people have gotten from their relationship with God and how far they've gotten away from how marriage is supposed to work. And, and for those of you who know uh, the, the story of Hosea, uh, I'll, I'll read just a little bit from Hosea chapter 2, 19 through 23. And it says, I will betroth you to me forever. I will betroth you to me in righteousness and in justice, in steadfast love and in mercy. I will betroth you to me in faithfulness, and you shall know the Lord. 
And in that day I will answer, declares the Lord, I will answer the heavens, and they shall answer the earth, and the earth shall answer the grain and the wine and the oil, and they shall answer Jezreel, and I will sow her for myself in the land, and I will have mercy on no mercy. No mercy, no mercy if you remember, was one of the, the, the names that he had given his, his children. Uh, and he will say to not my people, again, one of the names of his children, that, that you are my people. And he will say, um, and he will say, you are my God. So God has continued to show through scripture. He's continued to reveal more and more about marriage and how marriage relates to his relationship with the people. And as we move into our focal passage tonight, which is from Ephesians, we will see finally the complete revelation of the mystery of marriage and how marriage is actually supposed to be a picture of God's relationship with the church, specifically, as Paul's writing, the relationship between Jesus Christ and his church. So read with me now as we get to Ephesians 5, chapters, uh, chapter 5, verses 22 through 33. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord, because the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church. He is the Savior of the body. And now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives are to submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her, to make her holy, cleansing her with the washing of water by the word. He did this to present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or anything like that, but holy and blameless. In the same way, husbands are to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one, has, no one ever hates his own flesh, but provides and cares for it, just as Christ does the church. And since we are members of his body, for this reason a man will leave his mother and mother, father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This mystery is profound, but I am talking about Christ and the church. To sum up, each one of you is to love his wife as himself, and the wife is to respect her husband. As we begin to, to discuss this specific piece of scripture, I want us to make sure that we pay attention to a few words that are, that are used uh, in a regular basis as, as we read through that. And those words are love and submission. And I want us to, to, to think about this mystery of marriage maybe with a little subtitle that says, Wedding Pictures of Love and Submission. Again, wedding pictures, using the, the analogy of the marriage relationship being a picture of what the relationship between Christ and the church is, and thinking about this as maybe wedding pictures, if you will. So, wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of his church, his body, and is himself its savior. A woman's submission to the Lord, if, if we read uh, in the, the scripture, the picture would be a woman submitting to the Lord, and the picture of that would be a woman's submission to her own husband. Now, I, I must say that when we use submission this many times in scripture, maybe we think back to this morning when we heard Josh talk about his two sons wrestling, and one trying to put the other in some sort of hold to make him tap out or to make him say, I give up. 
And as I was hearing that, I was sitting over here kind of chuckling. Liz and I were, were looking at each other a little bit because uh, my sons and I actually participated in Brazilian jiu-jitsu uh, for several years. And if you know anything about Brazilian jiu-jitsu, you will understand that the whole point of Brazilian jiu-jitsu is to force the other person to submit. And submitting is a bad thing. Okay, it's a bad thing in Brazilian jiu-jitsu because it means you lose or you have points uh, against you. you. You try to make someone submit by restricting blood flow to their brain. You try to do it by restricting oxygen to their brain. You do it by adding pressure to points like your shoulders, your elbows, your knees or ankles to the point where the other person taps and says, I give, I give, I submit. Those are all bad things. They're terrible things. And as Americans, we, we understand this because our individualism, our, our desire for independence, the way that we are constructed has us saying submission's a bad thing. And we walk around never wanting to submit. We don't want to submit to the speed limits. We don't want to submit to stop signs. We don't want to submit to the government when they ask us for additional tax money. We, we don't want to submit. We want to be rugged individualists, right? That's what Americans are known for. But what Scripture is telling us is that submission is actually an act of love if understood properly. Again, when we look back to a woman's submission to the Lord, it's pictured in that submission to her own husband. Now, submission, again, if, if, we, if we further define this, we further think about this word, what does that look like? What does that look like in the lives uh, of our, our, our families and our homes? I'm sure that as parents, we can probably say, when we say we want our kids to submit to our authority, that means we want them to, to, to mind and go along. We don't want to do so domineeringly, especially as we talk about relation to our children or relationship with our spouses. We, we expect that if we love and we care for them, that the submission is a natural response to the love and care that we show for those children or the love and care that we show for our spouse. So as we think back to that picture again, that love and submission, submission is a natural flow of a right, loving relationship between a husband and wife. A wife doesn't have a problem submitting to the leadership of her husband if her husband is doing what Scripture has said, which is the husband loving the way that Christ has loved the church. So as husbands loving your wives, as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, what does that look like? How, how, how did Christ give himself up for the church? Well, he laid down his very life for the church. So as husbands, it's, it's important for us to think about that. And if we, we want to have a relationship that we have uh, mutual respect between uh, husbands and wives and we want to understand what that looks like, that's a husband who's sacrificially loving his wife and the wife receiving that love and returning love by submitting willingly to his leadership in the home. Now, as we apply that to the church, we know that Christ loves us. We know that Christ loves the church. Christ came, lived the sinful life that we were incapable of living, went to the cross, died for our sins, taking our sin upon himself when he was nailed on the cross, and died for that sin, paying that penalty that you and I deserve to pay, rising on the third day. And he has continued to this day to love and care for his church, his bride. That picture of the church being the bride of Christ. The intense love that Christ has for the wife that he redeemed with his very life. You can understand the passion that, that God has for his church. The passion that he has for his bride. And why he loves and cares so intensely about how his bride is doing. How his bride is living. 
we as church members, we as members of the body of Christ, those who are believers and followers in Jesus Christ, need to understand that because if we understand the way that God has loved us, his body, his very own body, we will willingly submit out of love and respect and reverence for what he has done for us. And the picture of that in marriage, again, is the husband loving sacrificially so that the wife feels that, understands that, and in turn returns her love by submitting willingly and respectfully. The church's submission to Christ is that picture of a wife submitting to her husband. The church's love, or the, the Christ's love for the church is that pictured in that husband's love for his wife, that sacrificial love, that laying down of the life. The love Christ shows for his body, the church, is exactly supposed to be represented in the husband's love for the wife. The love is equal. It shows a care. When God created Adam and Eve, he gave them distinct positions in the family. They're equal in God's eyes, but they have different positions. And as we are joint heirs with Jesus or co-heirs with Jesus, as we've been adopted into God's family, we have a different position, obviously. Christ is the head. He is the leader. He is the one who cares for us. He's the one who has saved us. And our response should flow back in love and submission as he has shown us the ultimate love. If we look at the verse just preceding ours, verse 21, it says, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Now I went back to that because that's, that's actually kind of how we, how we could have started the discussion, but I want to use that as a way to, to provide some summary as, as, we, as we get ready to close. Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. If you don't have the foundation that marriage is a man and a woman put together by God, held together by God, defined, designed, blessed by God, meaning that God is an integral part of that marriage, you won't have the right understanding about what it means to be submissive and loving. And it says that we are to submit to each other out of reverence for Christ. So because of what Christ has done for us, I'm supposed to love my wife the way that Christ loves the church. I'm supposed to care for her. I'm supposed to lead her. I'm supposed to, to lay down my life if necessary to protect her. I'm supposed to make sure that, that she has all that she needs and she is encouraged uh, in her walk with Christ. And if I do those things, if I am submitting to Christ and I am loving her out of reverence for, to Christ and out of my own submission to Christ, my wife will submit to me and she will love me. She will recognize that God has given us different positions, but she is to love me and return love to me because of what Christ has done for her. And instead of being the circle of life, you can think of it as the circle of love. We have God who has loved us, instituted marriage, instituted his church, has given us that picture of how they're supposed to work, how marriage is supposed to work, and he has loved us, and therefore, since we have received love, since we have received those wonderful gifts from him, we should in turn love 
And as we love, we won't find that we have contention amongst our, our, our marriages because of who's responsible, who's the head, and who's not. God has already put that in order for us. It's just a matter of understanding and functioning the way that God has designed, out of love, out of respect, and we stop looking at submission as such a negative thing. So, tonight we've talked about marriage being a picture of, of the mystery of marriage as it was revealed. That marriage, covenant between a man and woman and God, set up by God. And as he revealed it through history, as he revealed his plan of salvation, his plan of building his church, his love for the church, he continually uses that analogy between the marriage and his church. He continues to reveal that mystery. And as we get to Ephesians, the mystery has been revealed. Something that was long kept secret from the Old Testament has been revealed to us. That the mystery in marriage is that it does picture Christ and his church. And Christ has not forgotten his church. Christ will return for his church. His church is going to be taken home to be with him in glory because he loves her. He loves her dearly. He laid down his life for her. He redeemed her. If we look at, at Hosea, the example in Hosea. And we need to understand that in our own lives and in our own circles of influence, we want to make sure that we have not only that right picture of marriage and we defend that right picture of marriage, but we help others understand that that's the picture of what the church is supposed to function like. Please join me in prayer. Lord God, we thank you for this day. We, we thank you, Lord, for, for marriage. We thank you for the picture that you've given us of, of your love for the church. Uh, in marriage, Lord, we thank you for uh, your, your care and, and your uh, sacrificial giving, the laying down of your life for us, Lord. We pray that you would help us, uh, those who are married, Lord, those who will be married, to have a right understanding of what marriage is, how marriage is supposed to work, Lord, that we would look to your scripture for understanding, that we would look to your scripture for, for wisdom. We would understand, Lord, that through looking in your scripture, through looking in your word, Lord, is the only way for us to fully understand what it means when we think about how you love your church, when we think about how we should love and we should care for our spouse, when we think about how it is that we should submit to you and submit to your leadership in our lives. We thank you, Lord, and we love you. It's in Christ's name we pray.